Well, good morning and welcome to Journey Church. My name is Jim and I'm one of the pastors here. It's a pleasure to see your smiling faces. For those of you who are joining us on Facebook or uh, YouTube, rather, it's a pleasure to know you're there, although I can't see your faces. Um, <clears throat> we are in a series called You're Not the Boss of Me. And today I'm going to start off with a little survey. So we're going to ask some questions. I'm going to ask you to participate with me. Uh, if you're watching this at home, participate at home. If you're listening to this later on and driving, uh, keep one hand on the steering wheel at least. But here's a question. I'm just going to ask for all involvement. Um, how many of you guys are on Instagram? And I don't mean like right now, hopefully not right now. I just mean like you do Instagram. You on Instagram? <clears throat> Instagram's fun. I, I, I like Instagram. Um, I actually ditched Facebook this year and I, I just kind of watch things on Instagram. Uh, yeah, I just kind of watch things. That's what I do. I just kind of watch things on Instagram. Um, <clears throat> but Instagram's in interesting to me. When, when you're on Instagram, um, <clears throat> you know, it, you get to see a lot more about people's life and kind of read about it. And we're all kind of visual people. Really, the, the great thing about Instagram is. Uh, I guess the great thing is, well, let's, let's just talk about what the bad thing is. Okay, Here, here's the bad thing about Instagram. The bad thing about Instagram is, is I can kind of look at, at what everybody else is doing. Really, before Instagram, and look what everybody else has. Before Instagram, I didn't really care much about shoes, and now I, I tend to care a lot about shoes. I, I may even have more shoes. This is oddly an odd confession to do in church, but I may even have more shoes now than my wife has. Here's the, the thing about Instagram. She's shaking her head no, so... That's a good thing. But maybe it's comparable. Um, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the thing about Instagram is, is you, you kind of see what everybody else has. It, it maybe it just makes you want a little bit more of what you don't have. You know, before Instagram, we didn't have Shiplop. Now I have Instagram, and we have Shiplop in our house. Uh, before Instagram, I thought my kids were really cute, and then I, get, I can see all of your beautiful kids and all the beautiful pictures your kids take. And although we take family pictures, I look at your family picture and think, oh, no, we need to take that family picture, right? I thought my kids were cute, and then I see yours. Here's another thing. I see some of the vacations my friends go on, or maybe some of the vacations you go on, and I think, that place is amazing. And, and here's the, the catcher. I've been to some of those places before, but they didn't look as good as when, as when I went as when you went and took that picture. It was just, there's just something about Instagram. So, so here's what I thought. I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to quit looking. I'm just going to get off. And then I thought, well, I'm not a quitter, right? We, we have a saying in our family, Fenaris don't quit. I'm not a quitter. We're, we're, we're going to come back. I'm going to come back on Instagram, but, but here's what I'm going to do. I, I'm, I'm going to make my life look really good. I'm going to learn how to take pictures and, and like get in really close, and then I'm going to crop, and I'm going to use the, the best filters. I'm going to pay for filters. So that, you know, this, this like <laughs> worthy reel that I put on Instagram is going to make my life look awesome and make your lame life look even lamer, because that's, that's kind of what we try to do, isn't it? That this is what Instagram does. Really, the great thing about Instagram, and we all kind of need this from time to time, the great thing about Instagram is that it serves as a reminder that there's no win when it comes to comparison. Really, and you've heard me say this before, we've talked all about comparison. There really is no win when it comes to comparison. And this is what's taking us to our series. We are in part three of a series called You're Not the Boss of Me. And then the subtitle to this, this series is How to Control. How to Control the Emotions that Fight for Control. R really, the emotions that fight for control of your mouth, that fight for control, uh, and even not of, of, of just your mouth, but that kind of fight for control of, of your life. Because we, we learned this in week one, and we've been kind of going over this for every week, and this is where our series is taking us. This is what Jesus had, had to say about this. He says <clears throat> that... Uh, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of your body? And he's saying this to his disciples, and I'm sure they're thinking, yeah, we see that. We see that a few times a day. That's kind of gross. Is this actually going to be in the Bible, Jesus? And he said, no, 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 now that I got your attention, don't you see that whatever goes in, into the body or goes into the mouth, right, or goes into the stomach and then out of the body? 
You see, these aren't the things you have to worry about. He, He then says this. He says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth, and they come out of your mouth because they're already in there. That what comes out of a person's mouth come from the heart. These are the things that defile them. The things that come out of a mouth, the things that, that, that fight for your control of you, the, the emotions that tend to get the better of you, that, that kind of creep up when you don't want them to creep up. These are the things that defile a person. And then he gets really specific and he gives a, a list of what these things look like. And he says, here's the problem. The things that we're going to go over in a minute, he said, these are the things that are going to put you at odds with God, not what you eat. God isn't, God isn't small. God isn't trivial. God isn't like that concerned about what you accidentally put into your mouth. Like that's not what the kingdom of God is about. But to, to a society and a culture and a religion that was concerned about dietary laws, like Jesus, what are you talking about? Says, you you got to understand God isn't that small because these things, they're not putting you at odds with God. He said, the things that put you at odds with God are the things that put you at odds with people. And then he does this great comparison. He says this, for out of the heart come evil thoughts. And he kind of compares the heart to the mind. That everything you do, that every, every kind of reaction you have to an emotion, that, that it, it began with a thought. And, and, and that what kind of the, the heart and the mind, they kind of work together. And that what comes out of them, that every, everything we've done, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false testimony, slander, and in another gospel, he gets the, the list goes even further, that all these things, it started with a thought. And then he said, these are the things that put you at odds with God because these are the things that put you at odds with people. When you murder someone, clearly you're at odds with them. So why do we let these things control us? And, and most of us, we say, well, I, I don't, right? I, if, if I make a mistake, if I say something, if I have this, this outburst of anger, it's like, oh, no, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to say that, right? I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean to do these things. That's what we say. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to do that. I'm, I'm not sure where that came from. And Jesus says, I know where it came from. It, it came out because it's already in. He said, so here's what you have to do. You have to learn to not let these things control you. You have to learn to take control over these emotions that fight for control of your heart, that ultimately fight for control of your mouth. Because whatever is in here is what comes out of here, and that's what we need to be cautious of. We, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and for, for parents, really, for dads, this is really important. We talked about how we're so concerned as people with modifying our behavior. But if you're a parent, really, our job isn't to modify behavior. Our job is to modify the heart. Because the behavior, what we're doing is just a reaction from what's already in here. And you might put a Band-Aid. You might be able to like put a mask. Literally, I know we put a mask on, but put a mask over your mouth and filter what comes out. You say, that's not solving the problem. To solve the problem, you got to get to the heart. Because out of the heart flow these things. And these are the things that put you at odds with God because these are the things that put you at odds with people. And you can't be okay with God if you're not okay with the people around you. It just doesn't work. These are the people God loves and cares about. So we have to learn to deal with these issues. We have to learn to kind of cleanse our heart, to, to, to get rid of, of these creepy things that kind of poke up in our heart, that rear its ugly head, that cause us to do things that we don't like to do, that we don't want to do, that we would say, that's just totally out of character for me. But if it came out, it's because it's in. And this is where we're going this week. Last week, we talked about guilt. We said, guilt, you're not the boss of me. Shame, you're not the boss of me. This week, we're going to talk about another emotion. This is envy. Envy, it's it's a a, a word we don't use often, right? We like to kind of tone it down, and we say jealousy. But I like envy. Envy just kind of sounds a little bit more sinister. And and, and envy is that that, that emotion in in you, that thing in you that's never quite satisfied, is it? It's that thing in you that that if if you're, you're completely honest, you don't really like about yourself, at least for me. You know, if confession's good for the soul, I'm going to confess to all of you here and all of you online, so 
If, if you don't feel this way, don't judge me too harshly. But my guess is most of us feel this way. There, there's this, this thing in me that I hate the most. And this thing in me that, that I hate the most is, is that every once in a while, <clears throat> somebody will, will do something wrong. Every once in a while, somebody will fail. Somebody will trip up. And my first immediate reaction, this initial thing that kind of crops up in me, and maybe you feel the same way, is yes. Have you ever felt that way? And, and, and don't raise your hands, please. Don't, don't, don't raise your hands. I don't want to embarrass you. But maybe you feel the same way I do. Maybe it's a public figure or a celebrity. Maybe it's somebody in, in, in your private life. They'll do something, and, and, and they'll trip up, or they'll make a mistake, or they'll make a bad deal or a bad decision. And something in you is just like, yes. See, that, that's, that's like the ugliest part of me. It's the part of me that I wish wasn't there. And, and when I come to my senses, thankfully, I've, I've matured enough that it only takes a few seconds to come to my senses. Hopefully for you, it's the same way. If you're sane, you kind of come to your senses. You're like, Jim, that, don't think that. That's terrible. That's awful. We should be happy for them. But every once in a while, it comes up. And every once in a while, it rears its head. And I don't like it. And my guess is you don't like it either. And here's the question for us. Can you imagine if that's the boss of you? Can you imagine if you let that thing run your life? It would destroy it, wouldn't it? It would destroy the things you value the most. It would destroy the relationships you value the most. It would destroy the people around you that you value the most. This is where we're going with envy. We're going to look at one of the, the wisest men who ever lived. He's known as the wisest person to live, really, aside from Jesus. His name's Solomon. You've probably heard of King Solomon. He was the son of King David. He was this amazing king who did these amazing things. He was super wealthy with all this land and all this possessions and beautiful houses and thousands of wives. I mean, he just, he was like, when you think of like uh, this, this ancient king, he's the pinnacle of an ancient king. Solomon, who had done all this stuff, he has some really wise things to say about envy. He says this, envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. I mean, that's, that's like a really kind of graphic way of saying it. It rots. I mean, it just, it kind of gets to the core of you and it, 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 it destroys you. Envy just kind of, when it, when it gets in, it makes you unhappy and it makes the people around you unhappy because we're constantly kind of vying for, the, for something that we don't have. What's really interesting is we kind of live our lives like we're in competition with people that don't know they're, that we're in competition with them. And we try and we try and we never get and we get and we, and we try to consume more and do more and get more and and work harder, but it never gets us anywhere. And, and it rots the bones. And for some of us, it gets even worse. For some of us, we, we can amass and we can gain and we can do more, and it makes us arrogant. And then for others of us, it makes us absolutely depressed because we can never get the thing we're kind of vying for and fighting for. And envy, when it gets in, it'll rot your bones. It'll discourage you, or worse, it'll make you arrogant, and you won't even realize you're that way at all. So, so if you have to check out like early, if you were only here for five minutes, you have to head home or you're online and you're about to hit a new browser, don't check out on me yet. Here's the bottom line and then you can go your own way. Just knock it off, right? Let's just knock it off. Let's just, let's just not do that anymore. Let's just not be envious. We all kind of wish it was that easy, don't we? Oh, perfect advice, Jim. I just won't do that anymore. Imagine if that worked for your kids. Like parenting would be a breeze, wouldn't it? I wish it could be that way. But the truth is, I don't think envy is really that way at all. If it were something we could just stop, we would just hit the button and stop and not do it. But most of us will live our entire lives struggling with envy in some fashion. And really, here's what I kind of believe, is that envy is not a problem to be solved. Envy is a tension to be managed. Because we're all fallen, 
Right? We've all fallen short of God, God's glory standard. We've all made mistakes. We all see with our eyes what other people have. And for some of us, it makes us kind of want more. For some of us, it makes us want to kind of do more. It might even inspire us to do more, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But we're never going to get away from it. So we can't solve the problem, but perhaps we can find a way to manage the tension. Here's the good news, is that Solomon, he kind of provides this for us. Solomon kind of gives us the answer. He says, I'm going to tell you where to go. I'm going to give you a place to go mentally. I'm going to give you a place that you can go mentally. When you find yourself kind of drifting emotionally, when you find that your emotions are kind of drifting toward jealousy and drifting toward envy and drifting towards wanting what other people have more than you have, when you need a place to go mentally because you find yourself drifting emotionally, Solomon says, I've got the answer for you. Here's where I want you to go. Here's what I want you to do. And then he gives us, he's going to give us some advice. He's going to give us this really kind of brilliant word picture. But we all need to remember this, that all of these emotions, that everything that we've been talking about in this series and we're going to continue to talk about, here's why it's important. Because these emotions, they tend, to, they tend to get us off balance. They, they, they tend to throw us off a little bit, right? Like when we're angry, we, we tend to, to be off balance and we respond to, to something like a small infraction in a horrible way. Lust throws us off balance. Envy throws us off balance. All these things kind of throw us off balance. So, so the idea is maybe that we will never get rid of these for our whole life, but maybe we can kind of balance the equation, balance the scale to figure out how do we manage, how do we live knowing that all of these emotions are there and that not all of them are bad, but all of them can lead to some really bad things. So how do we balance it out? Psalm says, here's what I want you to do. And he gives us, from all of his wisdom, from all of his experience, as a king who's like been there and done that and gone everywhere, he's what he says. He says, I saw that all toil or all work or all labor, I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. I saw that everything everybody's doing, all this hard work, whatever you, 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 know, you put your hands to during the week, where, you know, your Monday, your nine to five, whatever your job is, I saw that all toil, the all hard work, it kind of springs from us <clears throat> wanting what other people have, envious of what somebody else already has, that we're living this life of competition with people that don't know we're in competition with them. We're living this life of, of toil, of all this hard work to achieve something we'll never get, that we'll never be able to achieve because some of us weren't supposed to have it. Some of us weren't supposed to achieve that. Some of us aren't supposed to be like the person next to us. But we'll spend all day, we'll spend our whole life, we'll spend, and for some people, this happens, you know, this is the midlife crisis. They'll live half their life and they'll wake up and realize, I don't know who I am. I don't know what, you know, that I'm doing what I want to do. I, I'm in a place I, I don't want to be. Psalm says, here's why. Because all of our toil, all of our hard work, all of our, our achievement spring from one person's envy of another. They spring from this place inside of us that just wants more and we'll never get it. And then he says this. I love this phrase. This too is meaningless. Or if we, you know, he was living in the 21st century, he said, this is just crazy. This is like, like nuts. This is ludicrous. This is insane. Why would we live this way? Why would we work so hard? It's just, it leads to a life of meaningless. And, and remember, this is the king who, who had seen it all and done it all and been there. He's speaking from experience. All of this, it's just utter meaningless. And then he uses a phrase, this word picture. We don't use it often, but I absolutely love it. He says, all of this, it's just a, a chasing after the wind. A chasing after the wind. Would you say that with me? 
Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. A chasing after the wind. We're going to say it one more time. If you're at home, say it with us. A chasing after the wind. You should remember that phrase. You should work that phrase into your vernacular. Just, just so that any time you kind of have this, this internal dialogue and you find yourself, maybe you know, you're scrolling through Instagram and you're seeing what other people are doing. And you know, the, the truth is you, you scroll through and you look what everyone else has. You're just like, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser. Oh, my husband's he's a loser. My wife, you know, my kids. It's just like... <clears throat> Anytime you're, you're kind of having that conversation with yourself because you're seeing what other people have and that, that thing in you begins to rear its head that you don't like, you just need to remind yourself, say this phrase over again, that's just a chasing after the wind. Think about chasing after the wind. I mean, it's an amazing word picture, isn't it? You'll never catch it. You can't even see it, but you're chasing it. A chasing after the wind, it doesn't lead us to contentment. It doesn't lead us to satisfaction. A, a chasing after a wind is like an appetite that can never be quenched. You're going to go, and you're going to go, and you're going to work, and you're going to work, and you'll never get to the thing you wanted. I mean, it's just a brilliant word picture, a chasing after the wind. You know what a chasing after the wind is? It's dissatisfaction guaranteed. You will always be dissatisfied with your life. You will always be dissatisfied with, with whatever you're comparing, your kids, your house, your job, you know, your, your car. Your, you'll always be dissatisfied. A chasing after the wind, we, we've, we've kind of used this phrase before. It's, it, it leads us to dissatisfaction because there's always a newer, right? His is newer. Hers is shinier. The house is bigger. The car is better. There's always another er. There's always, there's always something else that we will never have. And we'll chase and we'll chase, but we'll never get there. So when you find yourself looking, when you find yourself drifting into jealousy or emotion, another way of saying it is like you're drifting into their lane of life, right? They're kind of walking and they're doing and they're pursuing and they're living. And you kind of look over and you see what they're doing and you see their life and you see what they have. When you begin to drift into somebody else's lane of life, you need to remind yourself, that's just a chasing, that's just chasing after the wind. Envy, I will not chase the wind. That's just a chasing after the wind. And I don't chase the wind. I will not chase the wind. It's fruitless. It leads me nowhere. It's a chasing after the wind. It's sideways energy. It's a waste of my time. And really, what is our life but time? We only get a, a little bit amount of it. How much of your life are you going to waste chasing after what somebody else has, has or somebody else has done? It's a waste of time. Really, we could say it's a waste of our life. And if we continue to be envious and we continue to pursue what somebody else has or somebody else does or somebody else is doing, the longer you pursue and the longer you live with envy as your boss, do you know what happens? Your life becomes more and more meaningless. And no one wants that. No one wants to live a meaningless life. You wouldn't be here if you wanted your life to be meaningless. So how do we stop? How do we change course? Solomon, who accomplished more in his lifetime, gives us more advice. He says this. He says, fools... Fools, this isn't an invitation, basically. This isn't an invitation to not do anything. This isn't an invitation because you don't want to see what other people have and you don't want to do what other people have done. Well, just be lazy and don't do anything. He said, no, 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 no. Fools, only a fool would fold their hands and ruin themselves. That's not what I want you to do. I don't want you to be lazy. I don't want you to be apathetic. I don't want you to be non-productive. I, I want you to do something. I want you to be inspired to do what God wants you to do. And then he brings in this, this extreme example that, that I love, that, that it might take some explaining, but here's what he says. He says, better is, is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better is one handful with tranquility. Better is to be satisfied with, with what you have, to be content with what you have and, and what you've earned and what you're doing than to have two handfuls 
And that second handful, to be full of strife, to be full of grief, to be full of toil, is like, that's just a chasing after the wind. And what's tranquility? It's a really fancy word for, for contentment, for satisfaction. Better is one handful with contentment than to live your entire life trying to get that second handful and never getting there. You see, we assume more is better. But what Solomon is teaching us is that less is actually more, especially when it leads to contentment. That you can learn to be content with less. And when you learn to be content with less, you actually have more. You actually enjoy your life more. He's going to give us this great illustra- illustration in, in, in a minute. But, but think about that. Think about your life. Think about what we spend all of our time doing and working and pursuing. And some of us, we get more. We get the, the er. We get the bigger, the better, the newer. We get one handful. And that second hand is grabbing for more. Psalm says it's toil. It's a chasing after the wind. Don't waste your time. And then he goes back to that, that familiar phrase. He says, again, I say this is all just meaningless. This is all just ridiculous. Again, I saw something meaningless. I saw something meaningless under the sun, and that's just a way of saying I saw something meaningless in the world. Again, I saw something in, in our words that's just ridiculous in the world. There was a man, and he goes to this kind of fictitious character. There was a man who lived all alone. He had neither son nor brother. And he's pointing this out because in this culture, he, he's basically saying this man had nobody to turn his inheritance over to. He had nobody to kind of give all the things he had earned in his life. He may have had a wife, but in this culture, women couldn't inherit. I know, terrible culture. Don't blame me. This is, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, but women couldn't inherit things. So he had all this stuff and he had no one to give it to. And he says, this man who had all this incredible stuff and no one to give it to, <clears throat> there, was, there was no end. He just, he, he kind of worked. That's what he did. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. He just worked and he worked. He's like that type A kind of driven person. He worked and he worked and he toiled and he toiled and he got more and he got bigger and he got better and he, had, he got all this stuff. He wasn't content with his wealth. And then one day he, he stops and he asks himself a question. And I think it's a question that really all of us should, should maybe at some point in our lives, maybe even today, to stop and ask ourselves. If you work and you toil and you find yourself, you notice to the grind all the time and you, know, you see things, on, maybe it's on Instagram, maybe it's Facebook if you're a Facebook user, maybe it's in a magazine, whatever it might be that you're looking at and, and you're never just kind of satisfied with what you have. You're always wanting the newer, the bigger, the better, the shinier. He said, maybe for a moment, just stop and ask yourself this question. There was no end to his toil. His eyes were not content with his wealth. And he stops and he says, God, for who am I toiling? For whom am I toiling? For whom am I doing all this? Why am I working so hard? Or, why am I doing this? To whom am I toiling? Why do I keep striving? Why do I keep, keep trying? Why do I, it's like I'm in competition with somebody, but no one's there. I've got all this stuff and I can't give it to anyone. Why am I trying so hard? And for some of you, that's, that's kind of the story of your life, isn't it? You try and you try, and, and, and it's like you're in competition. Maybe it's like you're in competition with your father or your, or your mother or your brother or your sister, and you, you, you try and you try. Maybe you're just looking for like a nod of approval. You're looking for a pat on the back, and that's why you keep working so hard. I know for me, that, that was my struggle, and it took me years to figure it out. I just worked hard because I just, wanted, I just wanted a pat on the back. I just wanted to know that somebody I cared about was proud of me. And I don't mean to drag up some really bad emotions, but maybe for you, you're looking for approval from somebody who's deceased and gone. 
And you keep trying and you keep struggling and you keep working and you keep going and you keep going and you keep going. And you're striving for something you're never going to get. You're in competition with somebody who's gone. And you spend your whole life working so hard. And one day you're going to wind up like this guy, this fictional character, working and working. God, for whom am I toiling? And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? You ever asked that question? Let's bring up that old phrase. Why can't I just stop and smell the roses? Why can't I just stop and enjoy the things I've worked so hard for? This is what we do. Because envy creeps up. Dissatisfaction rears its head. Discontentment rears its head. And I've got to have more. I've got to do more. I've got to be more. And I'll spend my whole life doing it and amassing things that I never get to enjoy. For whom are you toiling? That, that's a good question for you. For who are you toiling so hard? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm toiling for my kids. I, I work hard for my family. Really? Is, is that, I mean, that could be the answer, which I would say, great, do it. But is that really the answer? I mean, are your kids waking you up in the morning cheering on, come on, Dad, get out of bed. Come on, go to work. You can do it, Dad. Or is there somebody else in your life that you're in competition with and they have no idea? You see what your buddy has or your neighbor has. And you're committed to keep your nose to the grind and your head down and to work to get it. And you'll spend your whole life but like this guy. You'll get it. And you'll never enjoy it. For whom am I toiling? Why am I working so hard? Solomon said, this too is meaningless. And I love this next phrase. It is a miserable business. It's miserable. I mean, that is the definition of misery, isn't it? To work and work and work and get all these things and then never enjoy the things you spend a lifetime trying to get. It's just a miserable business. There's no happiness. There's no satisfaction. There's no contentment. Don't spend your whole life toiling for nothing. Stop. Smell the roses. Enjoy the, the things that God has given you. For Christians, this is even a bigger deal for you. You, you, will, you will never be who God's called you to be. You'll never do what God's called you to do or what you've been destined to do. As long as you're looking at what somebody else has, you will never live a, a, the life that God wants you to live as long as you're looking over your shoulder at what somebody else is doing in their lane. You'll never get there. You will never experience God's purpose for your life while you're distracted by God's purpose for somebody else's life. Never. You'll live your entire life trying to be somebody you're not and do something you're not to get something you were never supposed to have. So don't, right? Let's just stop. Let's learn to enjoy what God's given us. Let's learn to take a breath and smell the roses. I started off with telling you a, a part of what Solomon said, right? Envy rots the bones. And that was the second part of it. We're going to look at the first part of it because I think it's, it's just brilliant how he compares this. Here's what, what, how Solomon started that sentence off. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. A heart at peace. A heart... One handful of tranquility, one handful of contentment. It gives peace to the body. It gives purpose to your life. But two handfuls, that's envy. And envy rots the bones. So which would you rather have? 
Do you, do you want to amass? Do you want to gain? Do you want more and more? And have one handful and the other handful grappling for the rest of your life and feeling that strife and that stress, that misery? Or could we be content with one and have a heart at peace? So I'm saying, here's the way. This is what we all ultimately want. Learn to be happy. Learn to be content with the one handful of tranquility that God's given you. That's where you find peace. You see, you'll live your whole life in competition, but the truth is, it's a competition you can never win, and you'll never find peace. You can't win chasing the wind. You can't. You'll spend your whole life and you'll run, and you'll run, and you'll find more and new and different and bigger and better. But you'll never be content. You can't win chasing the wind. See, God has a plan for your life. God has something he wants you to do. And as long as you keep looking at everybody else, as long as you keep scrolling through your Instagram feed, as long as you keep reading that magazine, as long as you keep watching that, that TV show that, that puts that desire in you to have something you'll never get, you'll never be the thing that God's created you to be. You'll never do the thing that God has put you on this earth to do. You'll never change somebody's world the way that God wanted you to change somebody's world. So let's be content. And, and here's the thing. It's okay to look to others for inspiration. It is. It's okay to look to others and, and, and be inspired. Just don't make your life imitation. Don't spend your whole life trying to, trying to replicate what they have. Be inspired by what they have. Be inspired by what they've accomplished and say, hey, I can do something in my life, in, in my lane. I can accomplish something and I can do something to change someone's life and make their life better. But I'm not going to spend my life trying to imitate their life. Jordan Peterson had this great quote from his book, 12 Rules of Life. He says this, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who somebody else is today. You want to, play, you want to compare? That's fine. But compare yourself to you. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Were you, are you better than you were yesterday? Are you improving? Are you a better dad than you were yesterday? Are you a better husband? Are you a better employee? Are you a better business owner? Compare yourself to who you were, not to who somebody else is. Because the second will lead you to unhappiness. It will lead you to envy. And it will rot your bones. Don't be that guy. Don't be that woman. Don't be that teenager. You've heard this old phrase, count your blessings, not your neighbors. Have you ever counted your blessings? I mean, really, it sounds like, like a, a really kind of sensitive, sweet practice. Have you ever sat for a moment and just counted your blessings? When we teach our, our kids how to pray at night, this is a habit I've tried to get into to really modify their heart and not their behavior. Because, you know, everyone's going to struggle with wanting more and wanting newer. I mean, God, they make a new Xbox like every two years. I can't keep up. When they pray, I, instead of saying, God, thank you for everything, no, be specific. What do you want to thank God for? I thank him for my dog and for my bike and for my house. And I love, you know, my playroom, whatever it might be. Be specific. Count your blessings. You know what you find at the end of your blessings? Contentment. Wow, look how blessed I am. Look at my life. Look at my family. Count your blessings, not your neighbors. That leads to strife. That leads to envy. And it rots your bones. And no one wants that to be the boss of them. No one. Even if you find yourself, you're sitting here now and it's be you're beginning to question, like, maybe that's me. Maybe, maybe I have been. Maybe, maybe I've lived my life that way. You don't want it, do you? You don't want to work so hard that you never get to enjoy the things you've worked for. 
You don't want to try so hard. You, for, you miss out on your kids growing up. or the, the way, And we say that all the time, my kids are so great. You ever spend any time with your kids? My wife's so beautiful. When's the last time you did something with your wife? My husband's amazing. When's the last time you did something with your husband? What if you just said for a moment, Envy, you're not going to be the boss of me. I'm going to celebrate my children. I'm going to celebrate. When, when my husband comes home, I'm just going to celebrate him and all his accomplishments. When my wife comes home, I'm just going to celebrate her and how hard she works and how beautiful she is and how much of an amazing mom she is. What if you just celebrated the things that God's given you? What if you just enjoyed the things that he's put before you? Every time your mind drifts, every time your heart drifts to, to that, that uncomfortable, ugly spot of envy, what if you just said, hey, Envy, you're not the boss of me. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to live that way. I, I'm not going to compare. I'm not going to just compare myself always. Every time I get that, that feeling, I'm not going to compare. I'm going to stop and declare, Envy, you're not the boss of me. I will not chase the wind. I want you to say that last night with me, will you? Ready? Even if you're at home, I want, you, I want all of us to say it together. Ready? On the count of three. Envy. You're not the boss of me. I will not chase the wind. Anytime you're tempted, to anytime you're tempted to compare, anytime you're tempted to, to want more because you saw what somebody else has in your feet, I want you to stop and I want you to say that. I want you to say it again with attitude. This time I will give you the count of three. You ready? One, two, three. Envy, you're not the boss of me. I will not chase the wind. I will not. I won't do it. I won't allow you to be my boss. I won't allow you to run my life. I won't do it. Don't compare yourself to what other people have. Don't compare yourself to one another. That, that's what, kind of what Jesus said, right? He gives, us, he gives us this amazing line at the end of his ministry. And this is kind of the implication. Don't compare yourself to one, to one another. And then he gives us the instruction. Rather, love one another, right? He, he said this to his, his disciples. Here's how everybody will know that you're my followers. Here's how the whole world will know that you're following me. Not by how you compare, not by how you work, by how you love one another and how you support one another and how you encourage one another and how you are there for one another. This was a command. If you're a Christian, guys, this is, this is it. This is what we do. This is the one thing. Don't spend your life toiling. Don't spend your life working in vain. Some would say, guys, that's just meaningless. Enjoy your one handful of tranquility. Be content with what God has. See, this is a question I have to ask, and we'll, we'll close with this, and this is where everyone gets uncomfortable and wishes they could leave early. My hope is either today, right now, or maybe on your way home, maybe later tonight, you'd get an answer to this question because I, I think you need to have it. And the question is simply this. Is envy the boss of your life? Is envy the boss of your life? Maybe in an arena, maybe in a relationship. Is envy the boss of your life? You just want what they have all the time. Maybe it's, it's in a different arena. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's with your family. Is envy the boss of your life? Why are you toiling? Why are you working so hard? You need to have an answer to that. And if you find that it is somebody else, take that name out. Take that name out. Put your name in there. No, no, no. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to do whatever God's asked me to do. I'll work hard. 
I'll try my best. I'll be satisfied at the end of the night. I'll be able to put my head on the pillow and say, no, I can sleep easy at night. I can be peaceful because I've, I've done what God's asked me to do. I can go home at the end of my shift knowing I am satisfied because I've tried my best. But I'm not going to allow envy to be the boss of me. You see, if envy is the boss, it will never lead you to the life you want. Unlike envy, Jesus leads us to a better life. Unlike envy, Jesus makes our life better. So don't follow envy. Follow Jesus. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for, God, this incredible teaching, for the wise words of Solomon. God, that it's so easy for us, especially now, God, because it seems like it's all around. It's on magazines. It's on our news feeds, God. It's in movies and TV shows. God, it's so easy to fall into the comparison trap and just compare and compare. And God, to create that desire of more. And God, more for no reason, but just to have more. Lord, and for so many of us that fall into that trap, God, we find ourselves just like Solomon said. We have these things, but we keep, there's just no satisfaction. There's stress, and there's worry, and there's toil. God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to see that in our lives. That if we are, God, living a life with two handfuls, God, and there's just stress and toil, that you would help us this morning to see that that is just a chasing after the wind. That will never lead to satisfaction. It will never lead to the life you want for us. And then I'd pray you'd give us the wisdom to change that, to stop comparing to others. God, if we're going to compare, compare to who we were yesterday and let that be the motivation to be better today. But God, don't let us live a life. Help us to not live a life, God, that is so full of envy that we never find satisfaction, that we never find contentment, that we never for a moment just stop and smell the roses. I thank you for your incredible words, Lord. And I pray that this would help us keep envy in check and not be the boss of us. In Jesus' name I pray.